You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hello, welcome to Interview with a Comic Book Nerd. This is the very first episode. I am your host, Richard Carranas. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. I really hope that you guys enjoy the series. Um, it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time now, and I'm finally doing it, and here it is. Just to give you guys a little bit of background um, of my comic book experience, I've been reading comic books for about three years now, so I'm nowhere near expert status when it comes to comic books at all. But I absolutely adore and love comic books. I love learning about the characters, the history of them. And this is basically what that show is going to be about. I am interviewing fans of comic book characters specifically, and I am letting them nerd out on their favorite characters and basically tell me everything that they can let out. And that's what I'm doing. I am learning. And if you guys are brand new to comic books or if you've ever wanted to read them, but they're just so crazy to get into because there's so much, maybe this is the show for you because we'll be talking about individual characters, where they come from, what their origins are, crazy backstories, where they're at now, uh, just all wrapped into one interview, which hopefully will be a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun for me so far. I've done a few episodes where I pre recorded and Honestly, it's been such a blast. I love it so much. And I'm just so happy that I can post these all out for you guys to listen to. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. But let me tell you a little bit about how the show is going to go. It is the first episode after all. So at the top of the episode, I am going to just quickly uh, go over what I've been reading. Something that kind of stood out to me that week that I'm really, really enjoying, whether it's something that's brand new or it's something that I read that is from the 70s. I don't know. But this week, I am going to talk about Weapon X. Now, this is the new series coming out of the Inhumans versus X-Men story, which I'm not going to go very much into because, unfortunately, I was not pleased with the way it ended. But uh, that's fine. It started off brilliantly. I loved it so much, but it kind of faltered. That's fine. They can't all be home run hitters or I don't know. I don't know straight slang. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, but basically, let's go ahead and talk about Weapon X. This is issue number one, and this was written by Greg Pack. The art is by uh, Greg Land. Um, let me flip through this so I can tell you who the inker is. The inker is Jay Lyston. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And the colorist is Frank Darmada. Now, one thing that I will say about this issue is that I absolutely love the art team on this. The colors are beautiful, in my opinion. The art, uh, it's, it's just all wonderful. I love it so much. And if you guys can pick up a copy, digital or otherwise, like, do it because honestly, I think it's really beautiful. I know some people didn't like it, but that's okay. To each their own. Basically, uh, for this book, we start off with old man Logan and he's in the forest. He's like hanging out with some deer and some hitchhikers come by and they seem to be lost. They ask him for directions and he happily obliges, but he feels like something's a little off, but he's like, maybe they're just fine. Like they're just lost it's going to be okay, but it's not okay. They end up turning into these metal crazy things. And Logan realizes right away that 
one of them, if not both, but I think it's just one of them, has these crazy like two foot long adamantium claws. And he's like, I know those claws, but you are not that person. It turns out what he's talking about is uh, Lady Deathstrike, Yuriko. I actually didn't even tell you who's in this book. Well, not this one specifically, but the people who are going to be in the series, it's a bunch of really hardcore characters. Uh, I'll just read you guys the list right now. It's Old Man Logan, Domino, Sabretooth, Lady Deathstrike, and Warpath. And these are people who are pretty intense. They are experts at what they do. Some of them have gone through the Weapon X program before. If not all of them, I'm actually not too sure about that. Maybe someone will answer that. Tweet at me. Um, and yeah, so let's get a little bit further into it. So old man Logan, um, he escapes these, these, uh, I don't know what they are, humanoid weapon X things. Uh, he assumes there's some kind of like weapon X weapon, weapon plus, uh, enemies, but he's not too sure where they're coming from. All he knows is that he knows those claws. Later on, we get to see that Lady Dust Strike is actually captured and it looks like maybe they're taking her DNA they are definitely torturing, torturing her at some capacity because they talk about how she's died a few times and she's in this tube filled with water and she has these spikes coming all out of her body. It's kind of crazy and she's not having any of it really. She doesn't get to escape. At least we don't see her escape, but uh, there she is. Later on, we see that Lo old man Logan is in the library and he's doing some research um, what exactly? I don't remember. That's not important, I don't think. I hope. But he goes, he's going to look for Sabretooth because he's going to try to get like a team together to figure out what's happening. I think Sabretooth was part of the Weapon X program. I could be wrong about that. Maybe that's just something that I remember from the movie. But uh, he's going to go after Sabretooth. And when he finally does go uh, see him, Sabretooth is not happy about it. He's all torn up and everything. And he tells Logan that he has been visited by these, I'm just going to call them weapons because I don't know what they are, but he's been visited by these weapons who I think they think are basically going to be trying to kill mutants, the perfect weapon to kill mutants. And so he tells Logan about this, uh, just that you know he was attacked. And Logan's like, we need to team up. We need to figure this out together. Sabretooth isn't quite having any of it, but Logan kind of tricks him because he knows that he's being followed by these perfect weapons and he leads them to Sabretooth on purpose so that they can fight together. And I think he's trying to prove to Sabretooth, like, we can do this together. We need to put aside our differences and just fight together and figure this shit out because if we don't, then they're going to kill us if we're doing this separately. And that's kind of where it ends. Um, they get attacked by one of these weapons and it ends. We assume there's going to be a fight that happens in the next issue, which is already out. So by the time you guys hear this, I may have already read it or you guys would have read it. But I really like this issue. I know that some people complained about the art, which is weird because I loved it. But some people also complained that they didn't think Logan was represented or written quite well at all because they thought he was a bit more chipper than he probably should be. But to me, it didn't really bother me. I'm not too familiar with who the man Logan is, because I haven't really read many of his stories. Obviously, I know who Wolverine is. But as far as individual stories that go into his character, I'm not too familiar. I guess he should be more sullen or angry or something. And that's not what he necessarily was in this issue. He was a bit 
um, like I said, chipper. And I think that's what people had a bit of a problem with. But I liked it. I think that what we saw was him, you know, in the very beginning, out in nature, kind of knowing that he's at peace at that moment. But something will happen. And when it starts to happen, he's accepting a bit. He understands that this is just his life and that he's just going to go through this. And he doesn't have like a huge anger problem with it. He's not depressed about it. He's just like, let's figure this out. And I like that. Uh, I liked having his humor in this uh, this issue of the comic book. I quite liked it, even though some people may not have. I am very excited to see where this one goes. I'm not too familiar with Domino or Warpath, but I am excited to see and learn more about them. So that's the issue that uh, kind of popped out to me this week. Hopefully you guys could understand what I was saying and it, some of it was comprehensive. If not, I'll do better next time, I guess. But tweet at me. Let me know what you guys thought about that one if you read it. And if you didn't, I don't know, tell me that I suck. Whatever. <laughs> the next part that we're going to go into is the interview. This week, I asked my good friend Mark Waters to come and talk about the Black Canary. She's someone that I think most of us may only know from the Arrow series, which is not that great of a representation. And I think we get a little bit into that, but not too much. But uh, yeah, that's where I know her most from because I haven't really read her in the comic series. I'm not a huge DC fan, but I am getting a little bit more into them, especially with their rebirth uh, launch that happened, I believe, last year, maybe two years ago, but last year. And uh, it's kind of reset everything that New 52 did or is maybe trying to reset. I'm not sure exactly what's happening. But nevertheless, we have Mark Waters here to tell us all about Black Canary. Yay, we're doing it. Okay, so Mark, you're here I'm to here. talk about the Black Canary. Thank you so much for being here. So here's my relationship with Black Canary. I was first introduced to her in an old WB show called Birds of Prey, but she wasn't really the Black Canary on there. No. So so we won't go too much into that one. But then more recently, she is in or was slash is in Arrow from the CW show. Right. And they kind of butchered her. They did. And so I know that she has a badass story or like her herself in the comic book. She's really, really badass. But Arrow just kind of destroyed her. Well, for starters, she's not an attorney. Mm, like she is. Right. In, um, and we're talking about the second Black Canary is the, is the right, actual because one. In the show, the original Black Canary was her sister. Older sister, yeah. And then she dies, and then she becomes the Black Canary. Right. Her sister does. And did you know that they... So she eventually dies, um, Laurel. Right. Laurel, Dinah Lance. And then they introduce a new Black Canary whose name is Dinah Kane. Keen? Kane. Keen. Dinah Keen. <laughs> and is Dinah King her mother? No. In the comics? Dinah Lance. Dinah Drake was her original oh, Drake. name. Oh, maybe it's Drake. It Actually, be, I think okay. it's Drake. I think it's Dinah Drake in the show. Right. So when Wonder oh, when Wonder Woman, listen to me. When Black Canary, <laughs> all gay men love Wonder Woman. <laughs> when Black Canary was created in 1947, it was only a 
like five years after Wonder Woman was created. Mm. And she was uh, Dinah Drake, um, who was a co-feature. She was like a guest star in the uh, Johnny Thunder feature in Flash Comics. Okay. So she has her history wrapped up in the Justice Society of America, mm-hmm. those heroes back from the 40s, the original Green Lantern, the original Flash. And uh, uh, in Flash Comics, Johnny Thunder, who was this milk toast kind of guy, always wore like this green suit, he could control a genie oh. with magic powers. But the genie could only do what he wanted when he said, say you. That was the magic word. Say you. Say you. Yes, and it was pronounced say you, but it was spelled C E I dash U. Oh. Why? I don't know, comics. <laughs> but the genie had all the power, but Johnny Thunder was restricted by his imagination or his ineptitude. Like he was constantly like tripping over his shoelaces oh. or something like that. And so when Black Canary was first introduced, she was she had infiltrated a criminal underground. So they all assumed that she was a villain. Okay. But she was actually undercover. Right. And um, Johnny had the hots for her. And she quickly became more popular than Johnny Thunder did. So they eventually did away with Johnny Thunder's adventures in in Flash comics and had Black Canary adventures instead. Mm. And so in that, that's when she ran a florist shop. Uh, she dated, <laughs> Of course she did. Right, <laughs> she dated a, de- a detective okay. named uh, Larry Lance. Okay. And so you always have these, you know, the alliteration, Dinah Drake, mm-hmm. Larry Lance. And she also exhibited strange powers. She, for instance, she would have things that she never, ever did again. Like she fell off a cliff and that was literally the cliffhanger. And so in the next issue, you see that she calls a bunch of blackbirds to mm. catch her as she's falling and they raise her up and they put her back on the cliff. Okay, so... You say that sometimes they would give her a power that she would never use again. So was that something like calling birds or like, was she able to communicate with birds and that's what they established for that, but then never used again? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that happened quite a bit in the comics back then because the, the stories were supposed to be much more one-off. There mm-hmm. wasn't the sense of continuity that mm-hmm. we had, um, you know, in the original Justice, or in the Justice League going forward where everybody remembered all of the issues that they read and said, you know, that couldn't happen then because back in issue number 75, they did blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, this was back in the 40s and, and early 50s when comics were just, you know, meant to be thrown away once they were read. Right. So then, okay, so we know that Dinah Drake was the original Black Canary, but mm-hmm. then later we have a new Black Canary that is actually more popular now, the like the main Black Canary. Right. So to go along with the, the Justice Society theme, um, when the... DC rebooted their superhero comics in the 60s, starting with Flash and then Green Lantern. These were new characters based on old names that had similar powers. Mm -hmm. Flash could still run fast, but his powers were created through science. Uh, Green Lantern was, uh, you know, still had energy in his ring, but he, this came from an alien that came down and gave his ring to him rather than from a piece of wood that got carved into an actual lantern. And that's, oh. what, that's what powered the original 40s Green Lantern. Okay. <laughs> so everything was being reinvented. When they started the Justice League, they uh, every couple of years would have adventures with the Justice Society where they would have get-togethers 
And then some calamity would happen. So that was the big, you know, like multi-issue crossover. Uh-huh. And um, Black Canary uh, was in one of those adventures when they go up against a being called Aquarius. And, and um, who is Aquarius? He was just a magical space being that, you know, it's been, so, it actually has been a long time since I've read so the they, story. So they haven't been reusing him. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have not seen him come up again. But um as would happen many other times going forward, the Justice League and the Justice Society are forced to fight each other. Mm. And Green Arrow launches a like a glue arrow at her, and it covers her in this glue and ties her to the ground, basically. So is this the original Dinah Drake? Dinah Drake. Okay. And she's out there. Actually, I believe by this time she was married. And for some reason, well, I know the reason, but I'll tell you in just a second. <laughs> her husband was there with her. Mm-hmm. in this grand space adventure fighting the Justice League. Okay. The reason he was there was Aquarius got so mad at these heroes fighting him that he rallied all of his energy into a great big ball that was going to seek out the the people that were against him. Mm-hmm. And it was coming straight for Black Canary. So there she is trapped. She's stuck on the ground in all this glue. And he sees that this big ball of energy is coming and is going to kill his wife. So he throws himself in front of it uh, and sacrifices himself. <laughs> so that's the reason for her. The plain human. Is right. Out in that's space with why him. he's in the story okay. because somebody has to die. Right. And I think, you know, behind the scenes, I believe the, the plan was probably to have her join the Justice League all along because she's a good character. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a counterpart on Earth One like, like so many of the others had. There were two Supermans, there were two Batmans. Um, there were two Robins. So she's originally from Earth 2. Right. Okay. And they didn't have an analog for her on Earth 1. Hmm. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, so I, okay, I, I still am a little confused with the whole Earth 1, Earth 2 thing, like alternate universes and all that stuff. Um, I know that it's supposed to be kind of like a doppelganger situation, so she just didn't have anything. Right. She was just like a unique one-off from Earth 2 that when she came to Earth 1, there was nothing for her. So did she stay on Earth 1? She ended up deciding at the end of that issue where her husband dies, this mm-hmm. is how quickly they moved, that there were too many painful memories for her back on Earth 2. So she decided to migrate to Earth 1. Okay. And become a member of the Justice League. In fact, the very next issue is when she discovers that she has her sonic scream. Mm. So that is one power that they didn't give her on Earth 2, was the scream that we all know and love now, where she "Ah," she screams (laughs) and and sound waves go out, and she either deafens people or she knocks them off their feet, or they have a variety of uses for it. It was in that transition, this was the initial explanation anyway, in that transition going from Earth 2 to Earth 1, that she magically got this brand new power. Okay. And so all the guys, of course, in the Justice League are fighting over whether or not to just accept her as a new member or if they have to follow their bylaws and vote on her being Mm -hmm. in the group or whatever. And suddenly she yells at them to stop and it blows them all away. Oh, wow. And that was the first time she exhibited that power. Oh, okay. And so rather than trying to find a scientific explanation for it, they just said, oh, you must have gotten it. Crossing over <laughs> because they, when they first established an Earth 2, it was in the pages of Flash. Okay. And they found that the two worlds, they coexist side by side, but they're on different vibrational frequencies, right. which is why they didn't 
you know, crash together or something uh-huh. like that. And so that difference in that vibrations is what gave her her canary cry. <laughs> Do you, okay. So is that something that happens with other characters or is that just like they gave her this power, they needed her to do something to, new? Or? To my knowledge, until Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985, which was the big, uh, that was the big crossover that ended all these multiple worlds and they condensed all the Earths into one Earth. Oh. Um, until that point, that she was the only Earth 2 hero that crossed over to Earth 1. Oh, wow. Okay. So at what point... Okay, so we know that Lance is dead. <laughs> yeah. But she eventually has a daughter. Well, that came up later in another Justice League crossover in 1983, I believe, where they were trying to explain, you know, the longer the, that they held on to these new fans that remember continuity... The fans are getting older, but the characters don't. Right. So here we have a character who technically fought in World War II because that's around the time that she was created. Mm-hmm. And yet here she is in the late 60s and you know early 70s and into the 80s still looking like a young woman. Right. <laughs> you know, and whereas I have grandparents that my grandfather fought in World War II. So it was a way to explain how she looks so young they it was my first retcon i guess the retro the retroactive continuity where they go oh wait that's not what really happened mm-hmm. here's what really happened right so before larry died her husband larry <laughs> she and her husband had a child that no one talked about that no one knew okay no one knew it was miraculous and they have a villain named the wizard who is an old justice society villain that somehow he knows where they live and he pops into their apartment one day and curses their daughter with the canary cry. Mm. And they, because she's a baby and cries all the time, they don't know how to control her. Okay. So Johnny thunders thunderbolt says, I can put her in my dimension in suspended animation. And so, so that way we don't have to kill her. Right. So is she, okay. So she's in suspended animation. She's just growing and she and does becoming grow. an adult. Yes. Her body okay. still continues to grow, but her mother says, please, I can't stand the pain. Wipe any knowledge of her from my memory. And this is what Johnny Thunder does. Yes. He has the ability to wipe her. Well, memory the Thunderbolt as well. does. The Thunderbolt okay. is the one that has the powers. Oh, the, wait. Johnny Thunder and the Thunderbolt are two different people. They're two different people. Okay. So the Thunderbolt <laughs> wipes her memory. So yes. She doesn't remember. So then when what happens when she finds out that she has this child? Oh, so Johnny Thunder, as it turns out, also has an analog on Earth-1. Mm-hmm. And somehow he finds out that his counterpart on Earth-2 has power. Because he's as much inept as the Johnny Thunder was on Earth-2. Okay. And so he gets really jealous of having all this power, but he realizes that he too can control the Thunderbolt if he finds some way to get control of it. Mm-hmm. And so he does. Okay. And so that's when it all comes out that the Black Canary that we know and love is actually the mother of this girl in suspended animation. And then she got, she actually is now dealing with cancer from her exposure to the Aquarius mm. radiation. Okay. <laughs> All this to try and explain why a character doesn't age. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know? And um, so in the end, um, you find out that it's not just her daughter's body that's in suspended animation, but her husband's body is in there also. And he's still alive. He's not alive. He is still dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
but she decides to, she asks if, and is granted the wish of being able to trade places with her daughter's body. Mm. So now she's in suspended animation with her husband. Okay. And her daughter is now the new black canary with the canary cry. And that is Dinah Lance. Yes. <laughs> and then we get to Dinah Lance. Dinah Laurel Lance. Dinah That's Laurel when they give Lance. her her middle name. So she has her father's last name mm-hmm. and the name Laurel as her middle name. Okay. And so when she comes out of this uh, suspended animation, does she just like immediately become a superhero or what, what happens? Yes. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. Um, and so that was, like I said, that was in 1983. So shortly after that is, I mean, that's when they realized, can we really keep up all these earths going? Can we keep this up? So, so did they, they have, actually have all these different universes having their own series at the time? No. Um, JSA had their own series called All-Star Squadron. Okay. Which was a, it was set in World War II. Mm. And that was going on when they did Crisis and Infinite Earths. Shazam, Captain Marvel had his own world um, called Earth S. Go figure. Mm. Um, they bought, DC bought all the Charlton heroes, which is um, Blue Beetle, Captain Atom, The Question, some of the ones that you would know now. Mm-hmm. And they gave them their own Earth 2 called Earth Earth 4. 2 is in well. <laughs> okay. It's confusing. Yeah, I was like, their yeah. own Earth 2. Their own Earth 4. <laughs> right, okay. So Crisis on Infinite Earths was supposed to solve all of this. Mm-hmm. Just wipe out the notion that there are multiple Earths altogether. The heroes have fought in the 40s, fought in the 40s. And the heroes that fought in the 60s, fought in the 60s, and so on and so forth. And that was their big solution to the problem. Ah, okay. Okay. So So in this new post-crisis world, that's when we get the Black Canary that I think more people are familiar with. Right. Because her mother was a crime fighter and her father was still a detective. And a, and a private investigator at that. So that's where she gets all of her private investigator skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and her mother discouraged her from picking up the mantle. She wanted nothing more than to be Black Canary just like her mom. Wait, okay. How long between her mother going into suspended animation and, and yeah. Laurel, Dinah Laurel Lance becoming the Black Canary without her mother there? Like, how long did they have with each other that she would, like, no, this was not her mom's wishes and all that. It all gets, that's when it gets confusing. That took place in 1983, mm-hmm. where the mother and the daughter switched places. Right. Crisis and Infinite Earths was 1985. So you only had that version of Black Canary out of suspended animation for about a year. Okay. And I'm not even sure they really broached the subject after that. Because here's kind of the twisted part. Her relationship with Green Arrow. Ever since she transferred from Earth 2 back to Earth 1, she took up with Green Arrow. They had a relationship, like, almost from the get-go. Uh-huh. So if you think about it, basically, she's conti- she continued a relationship with the same man that her mother was with. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> you see what so, I mean? so after Lance died, she got with the Green Arrow, yes. and then she disappeared. Well, not disappeared, but she went away. Her daughter came and just picked it right back up. 
Apparently so. And it's the same Green Arrow. It's the same Green Arrow, Oliver wow. Queen. <laughs> so all these retcon fixes don't always fix what they think it's going to fix. It just leads to a host of new problems. And is that like a thing, though, in 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 her story that she knows that her mother was with him? Or do they just not even acknowledge it? It's best not to speak about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe that there may have been a transfer of memories from mother to daughter Hmm. so that essentially she was taking her place okay okay but that would still mean that there is a fairly significant age difference between her and green arrow right (laughs) right (laughs) so um and again when crisis on infinite earths happened in 85 it reset everything Mm -hmm. it reset her entire story everything that happened before just flat out didn't happen it's just an interesting story okay so if it reset everything, she gets a brand new origin story? Yes. What, how, okay, so. That, that brand new origin story is that her mother was Black Canary mm-hmm. and her father was a detective and she wanted to take over for her mother growing up. She wanted to be the new Black Canary, but her mother wouldn't allow it. And she still has the the screaming power. Yes. And does she still get that power through the magician? No. So how does she so that have was this power now? So there was another cross-company event. Okay. (laughs) Called Invasion. Mm -hmm. And it was tied into uh, the Legion of Superheroes. The the villains of Invasion were it were villains. They're an alien race called the Dominators from Legion of Superheroes. Okay. And they release a metagene bomb that unleashes the potential in people. Mm. So they called it's just like mutants in in Marvel comics. Right. This was DC's answer so that you didn't have to have scientific experiments that gave people powers. This is how to explain how they could be born. This was just something dormant that was awakened. Yes. When they released the Medellin bomb. Now in Black Canary's case, she had her power before they released the bomb. And that was a case where she had a Medellin and that's what gave her her power. Okay. That was, you know, how they explained it. So let's go into kind of like, uh, her reasoning for becoming this superhero was it just because she wanted to like save people and be a good person does she have some kind of like a uh, life event that triggered that in her well in the original iteration back in 1947 her father was a beat cop okay so that this this notion of being tied into law enforcement is very strong in her story um it also goes in into arrow the tv show where Laurel Lance's father is a police detective right. on the force. Um, so they got that right. <laughs> <laughs> very, very little right with that character. So she recognizes <laughs> that she's a she's a you know in the vigilante class in the same way that Batman is. Mm-hmm. But it's because she's from a family of you know, her mom was a vigilante, her father was a cop. And so she just went right into it. Right. Um does she, she doesn't have any children, does she? No. Okay. No, although she is often seen as a um, mother figure. Um, so she also has appeared in the Young Justice cartoon mm-hmm. as their trainer. And so that puts her in sort of a mother figure capacity. Okay. Um, she frequently has adopted, unofficially, um, kids. Like Bruce Wayne. <laughs> She's always been younger than Bruce. Oh, you mean in the same fashion? Yeah. Yes. But the difference is that she doesn't put them into costumes. Oh, so she doesn't like train them. <laughs> no, she's to... just trying to protect them. Okay. Um, and so uh, even in the in the latest 
uh, version of her character. So we can, I can continue with the history and then we can, I'll make sure to hit those points as we go on. Yeah. So they, when they did, uh, I, I have to tell you that I stopped collecting comics after Flashpoint. That was in 2011. I think a lot of people did. I, For was, DC. <laughs> I, I can't believe that DC thought that we would all buy that their universe hinges on whether or not Flash's mother would live. <laughs> I, he didn't even have a mother before that. Well, oh, yeah, she well, wasn't she a was, character. She was, she was dead. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that an entire universe hinges on whether... I'm sorry, Jeff Johns, but... That's that's too far of a stretch. For me. <laughs> well, it changed a lot of stories for a lot of origin stories and just a lot of who the the characters were. And I know, I mean, I haven't really read any New Fifty Two or known much of the DC history, but I know a lot of the fans were just like, "Nope," and they yeah. just completely dropped off. Horrible. Uh, yeah, they lost a lot of readers. So during that time, though, they they rebooted the Justice League and and reintroduced Black Canary. Um. And this time around, they introduced her as the lead singer of a rock band. Oh. Like a punky, punk kind of band named, okay. named Black Canary. Oh. That was the name of the band. And they called her uh, DD, Dinah Drake. Mm-hmm. But DD was all, what all of our fans called her. And so she actually first appeared in the new continuity in Batgirl, I believe. And she ran a dojo that got burned down. So I actually, in order to prepare for this interview, because like I said, I stopped collecting comics. I wanted to see what she was up to at this point. Mm -hmm. And although that series only lasted 12 issues, when they started this rebirth to try and bring in some of their older readers and they, they kept some old ideas, kept some of the new ideas and tried to meld the old ideas together. Mm -hmm. This version of Black Canary in the Rebirth is still a singer. She's still that woman that fronted the band. Okay, um, see, and I, I guess I am a little confused with Rebirth uh, because <laughs> I know that they basically are trying to reset what they did with New Fifty Two. <laughs> However, it's the New Fifty Two characters that are coming into this Rebirth situation, right? Trying to regain their pre-New 52 memories or something? Yes, like. <laughs> right. So perfect example, which I haven't in the in the graphic novels that I bought to get all caught up. Mm-hmm. I had heard that Dinah remembers getting married to Green Arrow. And that is something that happened before they did the whole um, Flashpoint thing. Right. Is Green Arrow had his own series. And then it became, when he proposed to her, it became Green Arrow Black Canary. Oh. And um, it didn't last for too many issues, but that's when they uh, created the character Cupid, who then mm, showed up on Arrow, right? Uh, as another archer who's vying for you know Green Arrow's affections. But they did actually get married, and I I really was kind of caught up in the idea of them getting married. I still have the wedding planner, <laughs> um, which had um, Black Canary's uh, bachelorette party. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, I still have the wedding special when they're they get attacked during their wedding, mm. but it's more it's more from a comedic bent. Um, and then uh, ultimately, Green Arrow's character just got a lot darker, mm. and before Flashpoint hit. He was uh, in jail for killing a villain named Prometheus and just kind of hiding the body. No, <laughs> was he mayor at this point? I was after all that. I think. Oh, okay, 
but he hid the body of Prometheus, who was the smartest uh, Justice League villain. He was created by Grant Morrison, mm. where he was able to uh, download by putting a disc into a computer in his head, basically, oh God. all the fighting styles of all the heroes. And he was able to, oh, wow. to defeat them. He was pretty badass. Um, but Green Arrow killed him mm. somehow and left the body to rot. So when that was discovered, <laughs> Green Arrow was taken away for, to jail. And she goes to see him in jail and realizes that he just wants to be left alone. So she leaves her ring with him. Oh, wow. So to my knowledge, they never actually got a divorce. But then Flashpoint happened and it And it didn't everything. matter. No. <laughs> okay. So um, <laughs> she takes on in New 52 and then in Rebirth, she is Dinah Drake. Now, is that the original Black Canary or is that the Dinah Laurel Lance? It's the Dinah Laurel Lance, but renamed. Okay. And then is her mother still... Someone who used to be Black Canary? I would have to, to the, at this point, I don't think so. They establish in the Black Canary miniseries, or in the, the series where she's the rock singer, that she was abandoned when she was four oh. by her mother and then had to grow up in a variety of foster care homes. and had, So she didn't even have her father? No. Wow. So to my knowledge, and I'm sure that people that, currently read comics would definitely correct me on this if I'm wrong. Please do. Please do. We want to hear all about it. Um, she doesn't know who her parents are. Oh. So in a similar vein, so you brought up Birds of Prey, the series yes. earlier. And that that was an interesting situation where they took sort of the core of what Birds of Prey was. You had Barbara Gordon, the former Batgirl. Right. Um, and they actually show her, you know, bouncing around as Barbara Gordon at, at the beginning. Um, or as, uh, sorry, as Batgirl in the Batgirl costume. Mm-hmm. The costume looked great for a TV show, I have to say. But then she gets crippled and in a wheelchair and uh, now has to use Huntress as an operative. So Huntress is a character who's in Birds of Prey in the comic book with them. Right. The original Huntress is the daughter of the Batman and Catwoman of Earth 2. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's how she was initially created. And so obviously they had to change her her origin also once Crisis happened. Mm. So you have all these characters from Earth 2 that all of a sudden need new origins. But they, they, for the Birds of Prey series that was on TV, they still had her as Batman and Catwoman. Right, I remember that. But... Catwoman in their version had like powers of some kind. I think so because her daughter like inherited that power. She had like hunting powers and she had like cat eyes or right. something like that. And they together adopt a young girl mm-hmm. that is obviously obviously supposed to be Dinah. That's her name, Dinah. Mm-hmm. I think she had a different last name, but she had telekinetic powers, which was what lost me on the TV show. Because <laughs> I was... She's been giving, given a lot of powers, but she has never had telekinetic powers. That's <laughs> right. just too much. <laughs> but uh, they did have an episode where uh, Lori Laughlin, um, Yes. Uh, um, from Full House. From Full and Fuller House. Uh, yeah. Currently on Netflix. <laughs> Please don't forget Fuller House. <laughs> um, she is the original Black Canary and has the sonic scream. Mm. And when so I love that episode when she finally does come in and and you know let's And that that show only lasted one season. If that. If that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if that. I remember really I was I don't remember how old I was. I must have been like preteens or so. Mm-hmm. But 
I remember really, really being into it, but at the time I had really no knowledge of DC or anything. So none of that, all of that was just like brand new information to me. It yeah. wasn't like, well, what are you doing also, to my characters? It was also the first um, non-comic book or it was the first live action version of Harley Quinn. Oh. She was the villain. Harley, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Oh, I did it. I didn't. I don't even remember her being in that. Yeah, Mia Sarah played her in the TV show, but she was recast in the original pilot. Um, it was uh, the woman that plays Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks. Nope. <laughs> don't know who that is. Okay. I'm blanking out all of a sudden. What her That's name coming was. Back, back too. To yeah, I know. <laughs> and she's she's awesome. She but I don't. They didn't go with her for some reason. Um, Mia Sarah was from uh, Legend, and uh, she was also in um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm. So it just didn't work, you yeah. know. So um, going back to Birds of Prey, mm -hmm. how did that all get started? Uh, just for the record, it's uh, Sherilyn Fenn no. is the actress that was from the original Peaks. actress who was recast. Right. Okay. So you have two characters who are in Batman's world mm -hmm. that really aren't currently a part of a team. So Black Canary wasn't on Justice League. She's gone through, you know, as we've already been discussing, many iterations of her yeah. character. But she's always been very closely tied with Green Arrow because they're always in a relationship. So she didn't really have her own series until she and Green Arrow took a bit of a break. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you... Um, was, was the break when she left her ring? No, this was a long time before. Oh, so okay. we're going to go back to, to post-crisis, 1985. Okay. Okay. They relaunched... Uh, the Justice League actually was killed off during a... Um, <laughs> another big series event called Legends, mm -hmm. where um, one of Darkseid's minions, the glorious Godfrey, who has the gift of gab. Gab? Yeah. He's got, he's, <laughs> his voice controls people, basically. Okay. So he comes down as a uh, Rush Limbaugh kind of orator mm -hmm. um, who makes superheroing illegal, basically. Oh, wow. Um, and... They so they have they had already started a new Justice League called Justice League Detroit. <laughs> Great place for the Justice League, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this is the version. Let's put them there now. <laughs> this is the version that had Aquaman and Mera, his wife. Uh huh. Uh, she was a member. Uh, it had uh, Vixen, who's now on mm. Legends of, of Tomorrow. Is she? Yeah. Okay. Um, Gypsy, uh, Vibe. Aren't Gypsy and Vibe the same powers? No, Gypsy has camouflage powers. Vibe oh. has vibrational powers. Okay. But in a lot of ways, these characters were created to die. Oh, okay. Because that's how the Justice League ends. Then they rebooted it. They restarted the Justice League as a part of a group called Justice League International. Because as a result of this Legends series, they realized that the Justice League isn't just for America. It has to be for the world. <laughs> uh -huh. You know? Of course. And this is the 80s where we're the world's police force. Mm -hmm. You know, when America is. Right. So we can't be contained just in America. We have to, you know, so we even get a a Rocket Red, which is basically an Iron Man from Russia. Oh. <laughs> weird, weird stuff. <laughs> but Black Canary was one of the female members. 
And she, so her, for anyone who's not familiar with her character, she wears all leather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not one of the reasons why I loved her character. Does she always have the fishnets? She did. Mm. But they're often colored over with blue rather than a bare-legged mm. look. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, Growing up, you're always like, are, is she wearing blue leotards with fishnets? I don't think I even <laughs> really knew that she was wearing fishnets unless mm-hmm. she was drawn that way. But she ditched it for a, um, a much baggier like jumpsuit oh with high top white boots oh yeah and that's it, an and image big old puffy sleeves <laughs> and no yeah and this black um bird motif on the front that basically gave her shoulder pads oh god mm-hmm. and a black headband okay and totally like 80s hair okay and this was around the time that she and green arrow were not necessarily considered an item anymore. Mm-hmm. So you had asked, um, it, there's a quintessential black canary story that I, I know you, you were going to ask me to talk about right. like, essential reading yes. for black canary. And the one book that I thought of that would be essential reading for her character isn't even a black canary book. It's called the longbow hunters. And it, it was a prestige format green arrow miniseries prestige format meaning thick heavy paper at the time it was far more expensive they you know these books were meant to last Mm -hmm. and um in it green arrow meets another um archer named shadow oh who is a uh she's working for the yakuza of course the japanese uh, mafia Mm -hmm. she's working off a debt right and um, during this time, Black Canary is on her own investigating something that's happening at the wharf. There's like a serial killer or something. And Green Arrow realizes that she's gone. So he goes to the wharf to find her. And he finds that Black Canary had been captured by this killer and is strung up and is being absolutely tortured to near death. I mean, he finds her strung up and she's practically naked. She just has a shirt on, you know, covering her mm-hmm. body. And he saves her. He kills the guy that was torturing her. So, I mean, Green Arrow is not above a little murder. Even <laughs> yeah, then. clearly. And this was a book that was for mature audiences. So, okay. you know, it was one of, this was also in a time where comic books were starting to cater to more of their mature readers and mm-hmm. giving, you know, more mature storylines. The reason why this is a quintessential Black Canary story is that as a result of this torture, not only did she lose the ability to have children. Oh. Like, he really marred her. She also lost her sonic scream. Okay. He cut her throat or something like that. Like, wow. So she had to heal from it, and she did, but she lost her powers. Okay. And left, you know, her relationship with Green Arrow as a result. Wow. To brand Right. So it was a real growth moment. Unfortunately... She could only grow through violence with women. (laughs) (laughs) And is, did that happen pre or post uh, infinite earths? Oh, post post. Okay. And how long was she gone before we saw her I think about a year. Okay. Yeah. That was their way of breaking up. So green arrow was going to be launching into his own series and, I think this was a way to have her out of the picture so that mm. they could, because there's nothing worse for a comic book character really than a romantic relationship. <laughs> yeah. They don't really have many of those no. um, <laughs> that last. And they would tell you that a lot of, 
comic book characters, basically, we like the idea of Superman being with Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. But once he married her, I don't know, it kind of made the, the relationship boring to them or mm -hmm. I, you know same thing with like peter parker and mary jane mm -hmm. you know once they actually get married that romance isn't there or having and and i don't know why they always feel this way because barry allen flash was married for a while to a iris mm -hmm. and she was ultimately murdered by oh by the reverse flash so being being a, a hero's girlfriend is not always a good thing no <laughs> No, Unless not. they have powers. Mm -hmm. So Aquaman and Mera, for instance, Mera has powers of her own. She can take care of herself. So if any of his villains want to attack her, you know, she can fend for herself. Right. Same thing with Black Canary for the most part. Yeah. So how does she get her powers back? In the pages of Birds of Prey. Um, and so to go back to what to the, the origins of Birds of Prey. You have these two characters who are in the Batman world, but having to reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so while Black Canary didn't have her powers, she was trained in martial arts right. by um, Wildcat, who was a JSA member. Mm -hmm. And basically, he was a heavyweight fighter who decided to put on a costume. Nice. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> they did establish later that he had a, a metagene that gave him nine lives. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's still the, the current case, but um, that's they had established that. So that's why he had, uh, even though he was a World War II character, he had sustained vigor was because he had these nine lives. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, I know. And they can't all be winners. Right. So he taught her how to fight. And that's, she basically had to learn how to be her own woman away from Green Arrow. And mm -hmm. in fact, if I can bring up something, yeah, uh, I did bring in some comics with me, um, but I kept two issues in particular because uh, the only time I've ever written into uh, to DC was about Black Canary. I've only ever written one letter and it actually got published. Nice. And it's from um, a comic book from 1995 called uh, Batman Shadow of the Bat, uh, number 36. So it's from March of 1995. And so I wrote a letter, and it was published um, in issue 40, so only four issues later uh, in July of 95. And can I read the letter? Yeah, okay. go for it. So I wrote, Dear Shadow folks, <laughs> <laughs> I was so proper. I just finished reading Shadow of the Bat number 36, and uh, while I've been reading comics for 15 years, I'm now 21, I've never bothered to write a letter to the editor, but this time I felt compelled to write. Why start now? Admittedly, I do not pick up the Shadow of the Bat on a regular basis. After reading a preview blurb stating that the Black Canary, one of my favorite characters, and definitely my favorite female character, would make a guest appearance with the Batman, I made special plans to pick up number 36. The, bur the blurb promised that Barry Kitson would present the definitive look of Black Canary. This I would have to see. The definitive look at this point being away from that let's get physical outfit from Justice League <laughs> right. International with the shoulder pads. Uh, the jumpsuit, yes. Right, back into the fishnets. Nice. Okay. I was not disappointed. I have not seen Black Canary written so true to her heritage and inner strength since early Green Arrow issues. This long-standing character has proved that she is definitely not in the shadow of Batman or any other man for that matter. Exclamation point. 
I wish that the creative team behind her late series would have been able to look at the relationship between Dinah and her mother more closely, as well as the relationship between her parents. What's it like to be the husband of a costume adventurer who runs around with the legendary Justice Society of America? Would you have an inferiority complex? Thank you for putting the strength back in a great and underappreciated character. If the art and story had been so wonderful on her own book of a few years ago, I doubt it would have been canceled. <laughs> Any plans for another miniseries? Well, how about more appearances in Shadow of the Bat? If you can deliver that, you have another regular reader. Nice. Thanks for listening. And so this was printed yeah. four issues later. Yeah. When you read that, did they inform you that they were printing it? Or no. did you just see it? I just saw it. And how did you feel? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I was so excited. That's why I still have my copy. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> I have an um, enormous ego. And did they ever explore kind of the relationships? They did. So I, I made mention of a series in here, which only lasted about nine issues. Mm -hmm. So another important thing to remember about Green Arrow and Black Canary is that for a long time, they were in the fictional city of Star City. Mm -hmm. And this was back when they used, uh, they didn't really use real cities. They made up cities like Metropolis, Gotham City. Right. Both of which are supposed to be New York. Both. Both, yeah. Just they, the night but and day right. <laughs> But they don't, you know, again, with the disposability of comics back when these characters were created, they don't think anybody's going to care about Gotham. Right. That's just where Batman runs around, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, like Hawkman fought in Midway City, um, and the Adam taught in Ivy Town because he he was a college professor and mm. taught like at a I don't know an Ivy League school or something. Yeah, Marvel just keeps it simple. They yeah, use they all just real, use real cities. cities. <laughs> and so eventually, um, Green Arrow and Black Canary uh, decided to move to Seattle. Mm -hmm. So they fight out of Seattle. Oh, okay. Okay. And so uh, when she, when they, in the Green Arrow series, the, the more mature one, um, she ran a uh, florist called Sherwood Florist, mm -hmm. which thinking about Sherwood Forest mm. and Robin Hood and how much Green Arrow looks like Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. Right. That's why the name was used. Sherwood Florist. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what she does during the day. And um, at night, she's an adventurer. So when she had her own limited series, it it just was not good. And part of the reason why I I mean I don't know how else to say it. This was not <laughs> That's good. That's fair. By the by the end of it, another key part about Black Canary is that we know her as a blonde, mm -hmm. but she's not a blonde. She wears a wig. Oh. So and that was a part of her secret identity. Oh. She's actually a brunette. Wait a minute. Or was. Wait. So, but I'm like, my, like, I don't know why that's like the biggest mind, mind blow <laughs> priorities for well, me. How about this? How do you keep a wig on when you're fighting? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is some impressive glue, but, um, okay. But is she no longer brunette and then she's just officially blonde now? Yes. Okay. That was, Cause a, I was like, this is changing my, my whole world. Well, it, it, it never came up often. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't see characters, especially characters that, that don't usually have their own series. Mm -hmm. You don't see them at a costume very right. often living their lives or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yes, when she was first created and, and every so often you would still see that she has a blonde wig, but that was a part of her secret identity. She has short black hair. Because she doesn't wear a mask, right? She did when she was first created. Oh. 
but that that got dropped pretty quickly also yeah. um it was just like a regular like um sorry black domino mask mm-hmm. you know nothing special right but it was the blonde wig that really threw people off <laughs> Oh, well, yes. you know, a wig can do many wonders. Right. It's so unright. They didn't make the change uh, until Birds of Prey with um, Barbara Gordon, mm-hmm. with Batgirl. That's the first time that they actually just show her saying, forget the wig. And they show her with a bottle of peroxide. Oh, wow. Coloring her blonde. <laughs> She's like, forget it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so they don't even talk about it anymore. She's just a blonde. Right. You know, because she probably just has to do her monthly dose of peroxide or whatever she does, whatever she does. No, I think she really is a blonde now. OK. And so um, but that's not, unless you're into the history of the character, you wouldn't know that she was originally written as a brunette, written right. as a brunette, as if brunettes have their own character <laughs> um, and doesn't even I mean, nobody even thinks about it now. Yeah. Um. So. I mean, all of that is super fascinating. <laughs> so much I learned about her. Um, I just do have kind of one last question, which is basically, why Black Canary? What was the draw to her where so many people, if they're going to choose a female in you know DC, they go immediately to Wonder Woman. But you went to someone who at the time wasn't as popular, I'm guessing. So why Black Canary? I think especially considering Black Canary versus Wonder Woman. Consider, And there were a lot of female heroes that were created around this time. But when I started reading comics, Justice League of America was the first comic that I picked up. And she was, even though she had the sonic scream, she didn't use it all that often. Mm-hmm. And she was just like a normal woman. Um, I also really liked the fact that I always knew she was in a relationship with Green Arrow. But they didn't make a big deal out of it. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of, they didn't yeah. have to get married. They were just together, you know, and that felt comfortable so to do me. You, so it was more of like a, she's kind of like her own woman. She's yeah. able to do her own thing, defend herself. She wasn't relying on her abilities, you know, her sonic scream to, you know, fight. And she didn't have super strength or a magic lasso like Wonder Woman. Right. Another point that I didn't realize until much later now that they're now that they've actually made her the lead singer of a rock band mm-hmm. I'm a as I'm a musician myself mm-hmm. my degree I, I've been singing you know all my life and so it seems like I was drawn to a character that had some kind of vocal power yeah and while they never established her as a singer in any of her own comics they had various comics like um, Batman uh, Thrill Killer, which was an alternate universe. She's been a singer in various alternate universe comics. Mm-hmm. And even on um, the uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, they had an episode where they had the Birds of Prey. Mm. And it was Huntress and Black Canary and Catwoman. And they all the girls that voiced those characters were all singers. Oh, so they wrote them, they they gave them their own number. Nice. And just slowly over the years, she has morphed into the character that represents music. Mm-hmm. And so do you, are you familiar with the, the DC bombshells? Yes. It's where they all look like they're from, what, the 50s they're or something? They're like rockabilly characters yeah. or whatever. I, I have her statue, thank you to my friend uh, Kevin Kennery, who, you know, works at DC, was able to, you know... Give me a nice gift. 
Um, but she's the one statue that I have where she's dressed up, you know, tight skirt. She has her hair done up. She's singing into like one of those old fashioned microphones. Mm -hmm. She has a little amp next to her that says birds of prey. It's got like the little birds of prey symbol on it. And she also has a tattoo on her forearm that says Ollie. Oh, which is Green Arrow's (laughs) real name. Right. You know, and there's something, there's something romantic about their relationship, even when they weren't married. It was almost like having them get married was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, I mean, having her be a singer in all these different iterations, having you have that thing, it kind of like almost tells you like you're also this amazing person because you have this <laughs> shared ability. And I, and I know that a lot of people uh, talk about, especially uh, recently, you know, finding representation in, in their comic books. And mm-hmm. so now, you know, they're diversifying so much more than they have in the past. So that's really cool. Um, thank you so much for being here and oh. telling me everything you know about, well, maybe not everything, but. Oh my God, I feel <laughs> so like we much. just scratched the surface. Yeah, but um, you have your own podcast. Yes. Called Game On. Right. It's, it, it's spelled G-A-Y-M-E, Game On. Uh-huh. And it is a gay gaming podcast. We're the only podcast that I know of that has a regular lesbian. So we're trying, we are trying to represent. <laughs> you said a regular lesbian. I mean, I immediately, lesbian. I know what you mean, like a recur, recurring. Yeah, she's on every episode. But like in my head, I'm like, oh, not like a lipstick lesbian, not right. a butch lesbian, a regular lesbian. Not a lesbian until graduation. Uh-huh, right. Not experimenting in college. <laughs> right. But we, t- we talk about video games, but we also talk about comics, movies, just all things across the geek genre and you can find us on itunes and stitcher cool thank you and you guys have a facebook as well and you're right. on tumblr and all that stuff just search game on g-a-y-m-e-o-n um thank you so much for being here oh it was my pleasure that was the lovely mark waters from the game on podcast go check that out it's really fun they get drunk and sometimes it's ridiculous and i Absolutely love it. That's how I met Mark. I was listening to his show, called him up and said, hey, be a part of my thing. And he was like, yes. So that's the show. I hope you guys were able to learn a lot about Black Canary. I sure did, especially that wig thing. Holy shit, that blew my mind. Talk about stereotypical gay man that wigs would blow my mind, but it absolutely did. Hey, if there was anything in there that you guys thought was incorrect or that you know for a fact was wrong, tweet at me. Do it. I absolutely welcome it. I know a lot of shows don't want you sending their your angry tweets their way. And maybe don't be angry about it. But if you do have any corrections or anything, let me know. I want to learn this stuff. This is why I'm doing this show. I absolutely love learning all about this stuff. So tweet at me. I am at Lev Richard C. And the show will probably doesn't have a Twitter just yet, I don't think. But anyway, you can tweet directly at me, at C. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I had a whole lot of fun. This is going to be a bi-weekly show until I get my shit together <laughs> to make it weekly. But yeah, we have a website. It's interviewacomicnerd.com. I know, so not interview with a comic book nerd, as the title of the show is. But I like to make things difficult, I guess. You're going to tweet at me at Larry Richard C. You're going to go to interviewacomicnerd.com. 
And the show is called Interview with a Comic Book Nerd. But if you want to learn more about any of the guests that we have on, that website is going to have all that information for you. It's going to have a backlog of all the episode, all that, all the episodes, all that stuff. And there's also a uh, discuss section on any of the episodes if you want to um, talk about what we talked about. And I will gladly reply to you. So, yes, hit that subscribe button if you liked what you heard. And there's going to be so much more coming your way. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you guys on the next one. Bye.